When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to Impact Theory. You're here, my friends, because you believe that human potential is nearly limitless, but you know that having potential is not the same as actually doing something with it. So our goal with this show and company is to introduce you to the people and ideas that will help you actually execute on your dreams. Now, today's episode is a little bit different than normal. This was shot off-site at an event called Abundance 360, which is put on by Peter Diamandis. It is an absolutely amazing event and gave us access to somebody that, for scheduling reasons, we have never been able to actually get on the show. So I'm really excited that we're able to bring him to you this way. But this was shot off-site. We know, though, that you guys are still going to enjoy it. All right, today's guest is a ridiculously successful serial entrepreneur in both biomedicine and aerospace, a self-made billionaire. He holds more than 140 issued and pending patents and has helped pioneer the use of stem cells to treat a range of life-threatening diseases. He's the co-founder of Human Longevity, Inc., as well as the chairman, founder, chief scientific officer, and former CEO of Cell Gene Cellular Therapeutics, one of the world's largest human cellular therapy companies. And his insights and discoveries have literally reshaped the industry of human longevity. He's authored over 100 published chapters, articles, and abstracts on a variety of related topics. And he is, quite simply, the information age's renaissance man. A neurosurgeon, a biomedical scientist, adjunct associate professor, and successful entrepreneur. He serves on numerous boards, including Bionic Laboratories, Cryoport, Myos, and Provista Diagnostics, but is also widely renowned for his discoveries of the existence of pluripotent stem cells in the placenta. He served in the military, is a jet-rated commercial pilot with thousands of flying hours in more than 60 military and civilian aircraft, and the founder of the Rocket Racing League, an extreme aerospace corporation. This guy is impossible to put in a box. He's both an MD and a PhD who's as likely to be found in a research lab as he is in the boardroom. He's received countless awards for his breakthrough work in both biomedicine and aviation, including the Fred J. Epstein Lifetime Achievement Award and the Thomas Alva Edison Award in both 2007 and 2011. His most recent endeavor, called Cellularity, is poised to define the future of regenerative medicine, bringing us one step closer to meaningfully extended human life. So please, help me in welcoming the man who was appointed Commissioner of Cancer Research by New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, the chairman and CEO of Cellularity, Dr. Robert Hariri. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to have you here. 
Full disclosure, everybody, uh, Bob and I know each other off camera and have now for a few years. That's right. Just pretty crazy. So I'm really amped up to get you on and give you a chance to talk about some of the things that I know you've got going on in your life. And I think the the most fun place to start with you is um, you've been absurdly successful by every like worldly measure, but you're still super driven. What drives you? Like, why the new company, Cellularity, why are you doing that? It's going to take an incredible amount of time, energy, and effort. So what is the goal with the company, and why are you so driven to make it happen? Well, you know, I think it it, it goes back to one of our early conversations. When I remember flying into into the little tiny airport uh, near your offices outside of L.A., and I picked you up, remember? Yes. And we started talking about where we thought cellular medicine and stem cells were going to go to change the lives of people that we care about. And we talked about um, the fact that a new revolution in medicine was upon us. And we got very far along, but we haven't completed the journey yet. Mm. And so part of my, part of the driving force behind cellularity and my efforts to lead us into this next evolution is to bring all of these therapeutic products to the mainstream. Just like, you know, the, the remarkable things you've done in nutrition would not have been possible if it was unapproachable economically, right? So, so that was part of this whole mission. So cellularity is a product of 20 years of effort to turn living cells into medicines, um, identify the best places where they work, and then deliver them in a scalable economical way so that everybody has access. But why do you give a shit? Like, it's going to be so much work. And when I even just thinking about what you had to do to, like, pull some of this technology out of the old company and keep going, like, I wanted to take a nap just after hearing that story. And that's just to get started. So what, what is driving you, like, as an individual? I think, you know, same kind of stuff that drives you. We, we know that we have the ability to change the world. We know that we've already taken steps in that direction. If we don't follow it to the end game, people like you and me will wind up feeling totally unfulfilled and frustrated. And, and, and you know, listen, in a practical sense, I've got children, and, and my children should have the benefit of growing up in a world where things that terrified people, cancer, autoimmune disease, um, uh, serious degenerative diseases should be something that's managed just like you manage a common cold. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that we have in our, in our arsenal today tools that can do this. There's enormous value for the public and for people we care about. And I know that a lot of what you've done has been driven by your own concern for people in your circle, family, friends, etc., you know, you helped revolutionize the way people address issues around weight and so on. I feel the same passion to do what we can for people that, that I care about. My brother, my brother's been stricken with, with inflammatory bowel disease and so on. Um, you know, I've lost, I've lost family members to degenerative diseases of aging. I know we can do a better job. And so that's what drives me. It's, you know, that's the, that's the, pre, the premier factor. There's also the remarkable, rewarding opportunity of building a business that can be so highly valued that all of the stakeholders, internally, the employees, the, the consultants, the advisors, the shareholders, and the public get to benefit from that value as well. 
Yeah, it's, you know, I often tell my um, listeners that we're living through a change in times right now, partly because of social media. And, and I definitely think about it through that lens. I think, look, at, at no other time in human history have you been rewarded for, as a marketing vehicle, been rewarded for being truly an authentic and good person. Like wanting good things for people did not used to historically be the most potent marketing vehicle you could have but now it really is. And because of that, I'm finding this cadre of entrepreneurs that like I like as people that are smashing it. How did you, how were you able to look at a problem as like big as cancer um, where you've had just from a business perspective, had your primary wins um, looking at that there's an entire industry around throwing away placental, I mean, think of it as placental stem cells, but essentially that's what they were doing and recognize that and saying there's, you know, something for disruption here. Um, do you just think you're, you just got a more vast intellect or is there some, cause I see in you like the scrapper kid, like from the street who, you know, would get in fights and not let people push him around. And that's actually what's made you so successful as an entrepreneur. What do you think? Is that, is that accurate or? You know what? I, I, um, I'm flattered that you picked that up on that with me because, I mean, to be honest with you, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty accurate. I, I, um, I come from a pretty modest background where, you, you know, you kind of ate what you killed and you, you lived a life based upon the, the amount of effort you put in and how smart you were in navigating towards an end game you saw for yourself. So you know me. I wanted to, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an airline pilot, and so learning how to fly and getting into flying jets, and ultimately, you know, uh, uh, using that that stepping stone to get me into engineering, and then and then as an engineer, and I went to I went to Columbia. I went to a great a great university with a great engineering school. I, I learned a lot about approaching problems in a systems-oriented uh, uh, manner, and so when I wound up going to medical school and training as a surgeon, every problem I saw in the clinic, I approached as if it was an engineering problem. That, I think, really, really helped me. Um, and, and, you know, I have often said this, medicine is a vocational training uh, industry where you learn from more seasoned, experienced physicians and surgeons you adopt their practices and principles, and then you go out and you use what you learned in your career, often with minimal modification. But, it, but in medicine, if you approach everything from an engineering point of view, okay, you break it down to the, to the problem, identify the root cause, and then you try and engineer a solution to the root cause of the problem. Yeah. So where this is all going is is pure insanity. It gets me really excited. So I always tell people, and I've said on my show literally a thousand times, I plan to live forever. Uh, you're one of the people I'm counting on to make that happen, by the way. So we got to work together. <laughs> In a heartbeat. Um, I live between the friction of I plan to live forever, but I understand I could have an aneurysm and die before the end of this interview. And I get that. And you know, for me, the, the sort of joy is that friction. Um, I have two questions for you. One, like, what does the actual future of medicine look like? And I'm going to put that in a three-year time horizon so that we're not just grasping at straws. Like, what does the, the near future of um, medicine look like? And then, and, and I'll re-ask it, but um, what happens in a world where we live forever? 
so you know, there's never been more going on in medicine than there is today. There's never been more going on in the tools and the resources available to researchers to identify new strategies to approach disease and to approach things like aging, etc. The, um, the challenge is that we're working, you talk about friction, you know, we're working in a system where the navigation of a breakthrough from the bench to the bedside to being available in, re, you know, in prime time for everybody is a very complex, convoluted, bureaucratic, um, political process, okay? You know, it costs a lot of money to get a new, any new therapy to the marketplace, so it makes a difference. Um, now, that's rubbing up against the fact that our ability to diagnose disease is better than ever. Um, imaging technology, and you know, you mentioned human longevity. We have, the, we have the most sophisticated ways of screening individuals and identifying problems early. Genomics is a way to identify the master warning signals out there and to look before things start to go awry. Right now at Human Longevity, one of the things they do at, at, at the company that I founded with Peter and with Craig Venter is, um, is we read the genome as a way to understand what your biological roadmap's going to take you down. And if we understand that you are at risk for certain things, you do a couple of things. You increase vigilance. Um, and, you, and, you would, and you use certain measures which are preemptive. I believe that the time is upon us where everyone has the ability to have their genomics read and deciphered. The understanding of what that genome means for your risk for developing disease is getting better and better and better. If I know that I'm at risk for certain things and I simply pay attention you can treat these things earlier when, when the impact of treatment is that much more important. And the reality is that um, if you, I mean, we, we, the American Cancer Society has said for the last 40 years, early cancer detection is the, is the most important factor in outcome. Mm. And, you know, every stage zero cancer, virtually every stage zero cancer is curable. So if we know from your genome that you're at risk for developing that cancer and you simply pay attention and you do preemptive diagnostic work and you do preemptive therapeutic work, you, you could potentially prevent all cancers from reaching a, a, a lethal state. All right, we're going to take a hard right turn. But now I want to ask, um, I read this book called Einstein's Dreams. It ended up, man, I, I don't even remember why I picked it up. Probably because it was thin, if I'm honest. <laughs> There'd be a bigger sense of accomplishment in actually finishing the book. Um, it's on my reading list. It's good. You'll love it. And in it, it's uh, this guy like pontificating about time, right? And how different things would be if X, Y, Z thing about time were different. And one of them is he goes to this world where um, people live forever. And in that world, people bifurcate into some people do absolutely nothing because there's always time to do it tomorrow. And then other people do everything all the time because there's enough time to do all of their passions. Hmm. And I always found that so interesting. And it's one of those I've asked like a parties a thousand times about like which camp people thought they would fall into. But what do you really think the world looks like? Because I really believe, and I don't know that you do, but I really believe on a long enough timeline, and maybe it's not in my lifetime, but 100 years, 200 years, at some point from now, we get to the point where every year that we live, 
we add a year or more in just medical advances. Escape velocity, right? Exactly. So we will at some point, I truly believe, live forever. What are you like if you live forever? Wow, scary even to think about it. Does it really scare you? Why does it scare you? I've never used that word. Well, it's, it's scary because as I've gotten older, I think my pace has kind of continued, but I feel like there's exhaustion coming. So the concept like, of having... Like an overarching exhaustion. Overarching, you know, the will to continue to work at that pace is, 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 is either diminished or lost. Now, saying that, if I kind of knew that I had a lot more time, I'd be much more comfortable with adjusting the pace, right? I would probably be, um, be willing to perhaps change the tempo of things that I'm doing. And I don't know if that's actually good. Um, I personally know that people think along the lines you're thinking, that we're, we're working so, so well at improving the, um, the tools we have to live longer that eventually, like you said, every year you're alive, You've allowed so much more breakthroughs, so many more breakthroughs to occur that you can live that much longer afterwards. Uh, you know, Ray Kurzweil says that we're approaching a longevity escape velocity. I think that that's, that's a really interesting concept and we may be there, but I think that the escape is going to be some alternative form of life. So to people like Ray and, you know, a lot of our colleagues in the Silicon Valley, they see that extended extended survival is cognitive survival, mm-hmm. right? Transferring intellect and cognitive ability into a more durable form, which gets back to why I'm also so interested in regenerative medicine because one thing I can tell you, again, as an engineer, is that there is no machine that has an infinite lifespan. And so although elements of us theoretically could be, could be managed to live forever, the machine would have to be replaced, right? Mm. Sort of like airplanes. Uh, We talk about this. Um, Most of the airplanes people fly in are decades old because in aviation, they figured out that as a machine, the parts of airplanes have a limited lifespan. And so the best way to protect against failure of an airplane is to have a preventative maintenance program. You know, my airplane is... 15 years old now, it's already been rebuilt, torn apart and rebuilt already. Wow. And, and I replaced, you know, and I have a manufactured recommended uh, plan where, where I basically replace pumps and parts and valves at a time when the industry said they're old enough that fail, probability of failure has increased. And so that preventative approach is sort of what we should do in healthcare as well. I mean, let me think about this, right? If we got to the point, and we're working with Martine Rothblatt at United Therapeutics to do this, we get to the point that you'll have replacement parts off the shelf, you actually would be better off having the things which wear out faster, replace your knees, your elbows, your hips, your heart, your lungs, you'd be better to have those things replaced while you were still functioning well, because you now eliminated the downside of having to live with a failing part. Mm. Airplanes don't fly well when the valves don't work anymore or the pumps don't work anymore. But if you replace those, a 70-year-old airplane can fly. 
When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools. Tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply just as well so oddball question here you're a pilot i've flown with you it's amazing um your plane is pretty cool (laughs) i know whatever people are thinking at home it's not quite as cool as your plane actually is what's the closest you've ever come to crashing 
Um, you know, I've had I've had emergencies. Never never come uh, close to any uh, any any lethal failure. In part because you know I I, I tend to be a very safety focused guy. So so this is the the cool thing about about the kind of airplanes we fly. Um, and I use this in some of my talks. If you look on the glare shield of my cockpit, and you've been in the cockpit with me, I have these two really cool buttons. One's a master caution, one's a master warning. Okay? One flash is yellow, one flash is red. The, what, what aviation has done is it's figured out that through a system of diagnostics, it can evaluate mission-critical components, parts, um, functional systems, and evaluate them and determine if something is going awry and needs to be addressed, or if something's actually gone and failed. So you get the yellow flashing light way before you get the red flashing light. But that allows you, when you get the yellow flashing light, the master caution, to take steps to ameliorate the problem. So for example, the other day I had a hydraulic pump uh, uh, start to fail in the airplane. Get a master caution, yellow light, Look at the look, identify on the, on the diagnostic what the problem was, go into the checklist, and then you take a series of steps so that that failure isn't a fatal failure. Mm. We can do that with body too. That's in part what we do with human longevity with the genomics, right? If I can identify a problem early on, and then if I have, if I have help getting to the root cause, I can address the root cause problem with one step or another to make that no longer a lethal problem. Is it the same way that you would approach a business problem? Um, I, I think I try to. Um, I try not to be too emotional and try and be practical about it. Uh, but the, uh, the fact is that if you're good enough to see an impending failure and address it, it's a hell of a lot cheaper and it's a hell of a lot easier and you get to sleep a lot earlier um, if you can do it before it goes completely haywire. So we do, and, I, and, my, and my team, I have a phenomenal team at Cellularity. People, you know, it's funny. Cellularity is a brand new business. The average number of years employees at Cellularity have worked with me is almost 10 years. Wow. Okay? So these are people who have been around a long time with me. It's a spectacular group of people. And every one of them, every one of them understands the way I approach problems and I've found that they're really, really good at coming to me when something is going awry, and they're already thinking in terms of, okay, what's the solution? The problem's identified, focus on the solution, and come up with a, with a series of options. And that's an engineering approach. So lots of non-engineers are acting like engineers at Cellularity. Now, and maybe the, the, it's in the answer about thinking like an engineer, but how do you, you, you've been working in arenas that, it's what I call when things stack. So you've got a lot of disparate experience, a lot of disparate companies, but there's a way that they all stack on each other in that the information that you learned in one company is going to help you with the next one. HLI and cellularity have so much overlap. Um, how have you kept your thinking fresh? How do you avoid falling into the trap of becoming dogmatic as you become more of an expert? Um, I, I think it's important to avoid that pitfall, you have to surround yourself with people um, who approach things differently, uh, who challenge you. You know, not a lot of you know sycophants who just want to sort of you know make you happy. Um, and also, you know what, you need to bring in new blood uh, with completely uh, um, uh, opposing 
points of view. So we've tried to do that at Cellularity, and I, I think, it's, I think it's, it's, it's very helpful. But at the same time, I want people to, to fully exploit the power of this connectivity to our, our, our original parent company, to the companies we're strategically partnered with, to allied companies that are, that are equity holders in cellularity, but also business partners. Um, and by doing that, I think we, I think we avoid lots of the, lots of the problems um, uh, or the tunnel vision that could be created. But, you know, I, I, need to, I need to come and rely on a lot of my friends and colleagues out there to make sure that I'm not missing something. That's mm. sometimes when I have to call you. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Um, I love, you said something in there uh, which made me think of um, Lincoln who used a team of rivals, which I always found really, Great really book, interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I have not read it, but i um, familiar with the concept. I've never done it in my businesses, but one thing, especially because impact theory is such a creative endeavor, I have real fear of getting a bunch of people together that think in one way and aren't able to break out of that, and that the more we think we know, um, the more we're sort of trapping ourselves in a box. So it's interesting to hear that you're, you're leveraging the other side of the coin, which is continuity, which is shorthand, which is trust, which is actually really, really um, powerful. What, is, what would you say is the number one trait that you look for in a new employee? You know, so um, there, there has to be a fundamental loyalty that an individual has to the company. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm, maybe it's nerdy and geeky of me, but I like people who walk around wearing, you know, the logo, the logo wear of the company, and actually, actually have a sense of ownership. You know, um, Jocko Willink, you know, the Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. has got a great book with um, Leif Babin called um, Extreme, Extreme ownership. ownership. Great book, right? And these guys get it because. Um, Unless you are completely, completely uh, invested in what you're doing, and that in me, that includes company, and you don't, and you have loyalty to it, um, you you you're not as motivated to be thinking critically about what you do and what the people around you do, and the immediate, midterm, and long-term impact on the business. And so, getting that loyalty has been very, very important to me, and and a, 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 akin to that. People have to have honesty. You know, I'm, you can come to me and tell me you screwed up. That doesn't bother me at all. It's, it's not coming to me and telling me you screwed up when you did. So that degree of honesty is also important. Listen, you, you know me. I've, I've said this for a long time. I embrace failure. You know, um, Mandela said, I win or learn, right? We have the same approach. You know, people can... can um, as long as they have the, the internal intellectual loyalty to what we're doing, if they make mistakes and own up to it so that we can make a directional change to get us where we're going, that's a success as far as I'm concerned. How do you find that? Like, what do you look for in the interview? Is it gut? Is it like certain questions? Is it on the resume? You know... I, I try and be good at it, and you, everybody thinks they're great judges of character and this and that, right? I've been, I've been fooled, you know? Um, I think we all have, right? I mean, I've had partners and I've had people in my lifetime who I thought were totally loyal and honest and they really weren't. Mm. It's, it's very tough, but I think 
when you make a decision, you can't just walk away from the decision and say it's somebody else's problem. You have to, you have to spend time watching, watching the process that anybody you bring in, how they assimilate and integrate. And if you see friction, and if you see, you know what? It's, it's very funny. I, I have a, like I said, I have people who've been with me for a long time. Uh, you know, my assistant Danielle's been with me for God almost twenty years, right? Whoa. You know, so so I I look at, you know, if the hair on the back of my neck isn't standing up, but it's standing up on them, mm. I should pay attention. Yeah, that that is really something. So read this book by Ray Dalio called Principles. Um, and he said, I went from, he had this massive failure in the early 80s, lost, basically had to shut his company down. And it was just heartbreaking to him. And he said, I went from thinking, I know I'm right, to asking myself, how do I know I'm right? And I thought, whoa, that's really, really smart. And, you know, getting into a creative space, which is like, for all the success that I've had in business, I've always had it in an area where I didn't know. And so I was naive, and I brought the naivete to the table, and I've always felt one of my greatest strengths is my ferocious willingness to learn and the fact that I'll just outwork anybody. And so I've actually had trepidation coming into an area where I'm like, I feel like I already understand it. I know this. I know this space. And it's my training. It's my background, my first love. I spent a lot of years um, uh, perfecting my craft. And so coming back to it, I have one overwhelming fear. How do I know I'm right? And so reading that and getting a team together where it's like, if the hair isn't standing up on the back of my neck, but I look at them and everybody else is freaking out, then I'm like, okay, maybe there really is something here. Um, you're clearly better than I am. I can't find it in an interview. I, I'm the guy you were talking about. Like I used to think I, I'm really a good judge of character. In fact, there is so much content out in the world that I've created talking about my techniques for like recognizing and all that. Only to come to find out that, like, if I'm better than most, that would be terrifying because I still have so much to learn. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, you know, it's frustrating because you walk away from a bad, you know, from a really bad choice at when someone else presented it to you and you finally figure it out. And you say, well, how did that evade me? You know, how did I not see that coming? And if you had to say of all the traits that make up your personality, what is the one most closely related to the level of success you've had? You know, I don't, I'm a pretty fearless guy, you know. Um, there's not a lot that scares me. And I don't mind looking stupid. I don't mind falling on my face. Um, I don't mind failing and, and, and owning up to it. So I, I think for me, the ability to embrace failure is, is a, is for me, it's a strength, I think. Um, and, uh, but I, but I, I, I'm not a quitter. And so if you have the two, you're not afraid to fail, uh, but you don't quit when you fail, I think that's a pretty decent combination. Talk to me about your residency, which I imagine is probably one of the times where those two traits came in handy. Um, what was that like? How did you make it through? Oh, listen, I loved it. I was a, listen, the truth of the matter is that, that as hard as it was on me as an individual, the hours, uh, the pressure, and so on and so forth, um, I learned so much and I built so much confidence. You know, that's kind of the problem, too. You walk out of surgical resident and fellow training thinking that, like, you know, you can do everything. You walk away with a little bit of a Superman syndrome. And that actually, that actually you have to temper over time and figure out, you know what? Um, in that environment, 
you developed the skills to get you where you had to go. Uh, but but I wanted I wanted to get back into the research and and designing things and developing things. Um, but I but I still I still to this day have incredibly close friends who we all were in the same boat together training and. You know, I, I can't even tell you the stories. The stories are probably the best part of it. I've heard some of the stories. <laughs> I know. Yes, and they are good stories. They're good stories. Uh, before I ask my last question, where can these guys find you online? So um, I've, I've entered into the world of social media with Welcome. Twitter. Nice. Uh, it was a little scary at the beginning, but we're, we're, finally, we're finally back. Um, so so it's, it's at Hariri Robert. You know, again, it shows my... my um, Lack of sophistication. I went last name before first name. Um, but the good thing is, if you, if you figure out my last name, which isn't that hard, H-A-R-I-R-I, and you put in that, and I, I come up pretty, pretty easy. So at Hariri Robert. And then I use LinkedIn pretty, um, pretty voraciously. Um, not on the other stuff, but, uh, but, I'm, 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 but Cellularity, our company, and um, our LifeBank USA uh, business unit are all in the social media. By the way, it's important that I mention this. So as you know, Cellularity, C-E-L-U-L-A-R-I-T-Y, is a misspelling of Cellularity with two L's intentionally because Cellularity is a spin-out of Celgene. Mm. And Celgene, as you know, is the $100 billion biopharma that I was so fortunate to be part of for more than 15 years after they acquired my company, LifeBank Anthrogenesis. But Celgene was a spin-out of Celanese, the chemistry company. So C-E-L to C-E-L to C-E-L, for me, is a way to you know, maintain that connectivity. And then the, the singularity connection, I think, is pretty obvious, too. Mm. Yeah, no, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I'm going to sneak one more question in, if you'll bear with me. What are the key lessons that you've taught your kids about being successful, however you define it, in their lives? You know, the one thing I've told them is... Only do something you absolutely love. Don't do anything because you're doing it for me or for your mom or for your friends or for the rest of your family. You're doing it because because this is where you want to spend your time. And my kids, I'm very fortunate. I have three great kids. Uh, my youngest daughter is just, she's a dynamo. My son is off the charts. He, he puts me to shame. I, if, I, if I was half as smart as my son, I could have actually made something of myself. Um, uh, but my, ki- my kids are spectacular. But, but I, I don't want them, for example, going into medicine because their dad's in medicine. And that's all I want my kids is just do something you're in love with. You know me, I love aviation. In fact, I say, well, people say, why are you doing cellularity? I got to do cellularity so I can pay for my jet fuel. <laughs> all right? So, um, so I, you know, it's, it's, it's doing what you absolutely love. Uh, that's a pretty good answer. All right, last question. What's the impact that you want to have on the world? You know, my parents died early, as I mentioned, from diseases that they shouldn't have died early from. Um, it, was, it was, my mother died of something which today, my products we have today would have cured her. Would have cured her. So I want to, I want to do things that help, help people um, get through the stuff that robbed me and my family members of, 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 of our loved ones. Uh, and hopefully we can inspire other scientists and other people in the field to, to use these living cells as nature's repair kit. It is, they are nature's tool set to fix things. 
if we can just figure this out, harness it, and disseminate it, um, we're going to alleviate a lot of pain and suffering. I love that. Bob, thank you so much um, for joining me, man. It's fantastic. Guys, this is one of those times where I'm honored to get to really spend time in an interview format with somebody that I know and love and care about and get to share them with you. And what I hope you took away from this is somebody that has looked at the absolute biggest problems that we face as a species and said, those are my problems to solve. And one by one, he's gone after them and built some of the most important companies in the battle against cancer and now seeing what he's doing in terms of extending human life, extending human cognition and the the real efforts that are going to be made in that because of him and because of the energy that he's willing to put in and quite frankly, the willingness to learn, grow and get better. And and that's what I love. And I'm certainly not discounting anything. He's a very smart person. And if you spend time with him, that will come across in spades. But I don't value raw intelligence. What I value is people that do something with whatever they have. And more than most people I've ever met in my life, this guy makes use of every moment, of every natural talent that he has to spin into something that is truly useful by putting in the time and the energy to fail over and over and learn from those failures and grow and not be afraid to look stupid and just keep going. And because of that, he has one of the most amazing and incredible lives on two fronts. One, just financially, he's hit the jackpot in a way that is unbelievable and then two the people around him actually like him and that's fucking awesome to say and i hope something that people will say about me one day so guys if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends be legendary take care What's up, guys? We are so excited to launch our new show, Health Theory. Well, mindset is absolutely critical to personal growth, your mindset will never improve until your health does. I'm telling you, the mind and the body are so connected, it's freaky. So we're going to be diving into topics such as the microbiome, ketogenics, sleep, and more. It's going to be available for download starting March 7th. Come check it out.